Welcome to another episode of the Seminar This is L. KB. Hashtag feminism. African queen. African queen. Three black women. Where's the lie? Hello, world, and welcome to another episode of the Feminoir Files. So before we go any further, I have to formally introduce Dr. Grant. So Dr. Kanisha Grant is an assistant professor of political science at Howard University, where her research focus is the political impact of Black migration from 1915 to the present. She is a regular media contributor and author of the amazing book, The Great Migration and the Democratic Party, Black Voters and the Realignment of American Politics in the 20th Century. Thank you, Dr. Grant, again. I know KB and I are excited about this topic because it's been a (laughs) storm of some mess (laughs) the past couple of days, and we're going to jump into all of that. But before we do, you know, we start off every show with the drink of the day, and we are going to allow our guest tell us what she's sipping on. And so I am drinking something that I got from Trader Joe's. I don't know the name of it because it was Trader Joe's. Um, (laughs) It is a rosé, and they said it was made in France. It was $5, and so that's what I'm drinking. It is light pink, and it's a pretty bottle if you are ever in Trader Joe's. Wait a Um, minute. I bet it's good, too. Wait a minute. $5. Five dollars. It oh. tastes just like it's five dollars. <laughs> I was just about to ask that. I just pray you don't have no uh, headache when this is over. Don't blame uh, us if you have a headache. That's all I'm gonna say. Listen, I'm not gonna finish it. I have to do some other uh, things. <laughs> but you gotta. But drink. If you want to look, it's cute. That's... If you want to look cute, it's cute. Well, wait. Tell us what school you went for your undergrad, because it's it's on the highest of seven hills, and we have to speak about that. I graduated from Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, where I studied political science. Uh, I finished FAMU in 05 and got a master's from FAMU in 2006. And so that orange and green is all up and through these veins. And then you went to a very cold state. Girl. And and then I went to Syracuse, New York to attend (laughs) Syracuse University because they paid for it. I know that's right. Shout out to the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs. Yeah, it, this, this is a Floridian that did that. I just want to point that out. This is Lauderdale in this in this essence. Yes, right. Like deep Florida. Okay, gave it up for that good snow. I did not know what Syracuse was for real. For real, I knew that they was were ranked very highly in public administration, and I knew that they were paying for my school. And so <laughs> I found out the other stuff about it being a private school and being in the snowiest city in America after I got there. After the fact. Yes. <laughs> is it really the snowiest city in America? It really is. Oh, that's the devil. Mm. But I if mean, you had an apartment, you don't have to like shovel the snow. I feel like it's a little bit better, right? I mean, only driving on the, the black ice is like the real problem. Well, no, I mean, actually, the people in Syracuse are so used to snow that the snow don't really stop the show. Yeah. The, okay. ice, the roads are not like bad. They know how to maneuver. They do. They canceled school one time when I was in Syracuse, and it was the first time they had canceled in, like, 20 years. Well, you know, that's kind of like, I feel like, up this way, because, you know, when it's snow in Atlanta, them fools act like it's the the coming of Jesus is coming back for us. Like, they can't do nothing else. D.C., y'all be acting a little special, too. They do, because they don't prepare. Okay. Now, Philly, we kind of used to it, so we, we act accordingly. So mm-hmm. it just maybe the further north you go up, we get more, you know, used to it. So it makes sense. That makes sense to me. We're going to start off with how you feeling. Yes. Um, I'm good. <laughs> I feel like all the things that I've been working for since I was, I don't know, 21 years old are now in the world. And I'm very happy about all of that. Oh, that's Excellent. what's up. That got to be a good ass feeling, right? It is. There are sometimes when I'm like, oh my God, I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm tired. And then I have to be like, hey, remember that time you um, wanted to do this? And you got all the things you literally said you wanted. So how about Mm -hmm. you suck it up and be happy? That's it. Mm -hmm. So we've already asked KG. That's my nickname, people. You will hear me possibly say KG or flop. There's a story behind this flipping flop. And maybe (laughs) one day we'll tell that story. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You hear me say flip. Flop, 
Okay. Hey, we go back years. So I'm gonna ask now. You know, we found out how KG doing. Uh, L, how you doing today? I feel good. So can I tell you what I did this last weekend? What? So first of all, my mother was probably rolling over in her grave because I cleaned my house on a Sunday. What? So typically, when I cleaned, like growing up, we never were supposed to clean on Sundays, right? Yeah, it's a day of rest. Exactly. That's what but Jesus Sunday, said. I know. But Sunday morning, I woke up because I work Saturday. So I woke up Sunday, turned on some Afro beats, and like started cleaning. And I think two hours had passed until I like sat down. Because I was like, oh, like I'm moving. I'm excited. Like, this is great. Let's go. I was unpacking stuff. I was throwing stuff away. Like, I officially started my spring cleaning. I was cleaning out cupboards in the kitchen. Like, it was great. Oh, my goodness. First of all, (laughs) this is a story about Elle having cleaned her own house. I wasn't going to say nothing, but since you opened it up. (laughs) Really? Like, oh, you you clean your house now. Okay. (laughs) Is that what we're doing? Everybody's not so fortunate, you know. Really, KG? Is that what we're doing? Love you so much. Whatever. But I was really excited. So I was like, oh, all I got to do is play Afro beats and I'll be going. Let's get the party started. That's what's up. So mm-hmm. let me tell you how you I'm doing. About? I've been I've been on what we used to call it when we was online when you were sick. What was it called? What y'all? The infirmary. Sick and it? Oh the yeah, the infirmary. Mm-hmm. I've been in the infirmary. Oh y'all, I do not have the virus. I do not have mm-hmm. the coronavirus. Let me just say that. Did you take the test? I didn't take the test because it just became available world. You know, like why y'all saw yes. that? Like people was going to the <laughs> hospital and could get tested, but I just feel like I don't have it because I don't have the fever. So mm. I don't have it. I just have a cold. But, you know, if I would have came in the office coughing, sneezing, like folks would have looked at me sideways. So I actually have been home the entire week. Wow. I know. And I've been having cabin fever. Like I went to the gym. Okay. I know I shouldn't have done this. I told her to stay her little self at home. I went to the gym twice. I just was bored and I'm sick of being wow. in this house and I just, I'm about you, to lose it. You could have gone to a movie. If you need to get out the house. So you're out the house, but you're still not like, I feel I'm like working moving too long. I got, I got calls. Like I can't two hours. It's only an hour and a half. I mean, you I went to, to the gym yesterday and think I picked up some kind of little bug. My throat is now itching. Uh-huh. See, And I think it's because people be at the gym talking about yes. sweating it out. And I'm and like, listen, clean. See, that's you, KB. It's like people like KB is how KG got sick. No, no, no. So why the girl in my class yesterday, and I went to today as well, but the girl in my class <laughs> yesterday, she next to me. Now, mind y'all, I came in and I coughed, but I coughed in my arm like you're supposed to do. This chick coughed, and that chick ain't half her mouth closed. You know, mm-hmm. I did that look. I don't know if y'all seen that meme where they say, anybody <laughs> who coughing right now, and they get that look at you. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't I turn around and look at that health just like that, and I'm sick as I don't know what, but I still looked at her like... Yeah, Heifer, I know. People nasty. Yeah, so that's it. So I've been in the infirmary, but we can move, we can proceed. Well, what you drinking though? Oh, <clears throat> that part. You see, you you hear the ice cubes? Okay, so it's a drink that I love to drink on this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's by Bailey's. It's a strawberries and cream. Mm-hmm, okay, it's quite delicious. It's cute. Mm-hmm. It is tasty. It's very tasty. If you ever come to my house, which you have not done, KG, for a couple of that, years. Oh, okay. I was about to say, now don't do this thing why I ain't never come. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, well, you you be on MSNBC, so I don't know where we going to ever get you back. But if you have a break. Don't do me like okay, this. Okay, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Jesus. We got, we got the Roots picnic coming up. That's all I'm telling that you. That is right. You got to come, KG. We're going to have is, fun. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk offline. Yes. <laughs> Let me figure out. Yes, yes, yes. So, listen, six people in New York have tested positive for it, right? Do you think we're doing too much? We are. Because, first of all, why are the shelves empty of hand sanitizer and soap? Was not washing their hands before? <sighs> Like, Basically. I don't understand. Why y'all nasty? And they're not doing? empty of soap. They're empty of hand sanitizer. They still not washing they nasty behind hands. <laughs> As Doc said to me today, you need to wash for 20 seconds. Yes. With warm water and soap. As yes. if I have not been doing that. Remember, guys, we're black. We've been washing. True story. Did y'all see the link where... 
people said like there's a song a list of songs that you could sing while you wash your hands to make sure it was for 20 seconds like it was a list of songs from atlanta was literally about to mention that like oh shout God. out to people <laughs> from atlanta are you serious for helping know. me know exactly what to sing yes what is a song <laughs> give me one hit them up style hey ladies if you may want to get, get buck wild disco yes. i love blue can trail i love that song oh yeah. my god yes yeah so I, I don't know if we just doing too much and i got reminded about the bird flu that we never heard no more about like all these other things that have come not necessarily we shouldn't still take precaution because i think we should but like it's, it seems like it's just more of be like sanitary like, mm-hmm. if you know you have a cold, kind of stay away, cough, you know, in your arm, not in your hands, wash your hands. Like, it's all the right hygiene things that we should be doing anyway. But it seems like those that are older or already have health issues are the ones that are most at risk. And I'm not sure if that's across the board. That's kind of what I'm just, like, from the, the people who have died, they seem like they've been older, like a 70-year-old, something like that. That boat that that cruise they got, uh, that they waiting to get off, I feel bad for them. They waiting to test some people. Right. Did y'all see about this? Yeah. No. I thought they got I off. I missed it. I missed it. Oh, that. did they get off today? Because they were um, they were waiting to test them today, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I'm not sure. I don't know. But, you know, some of the people on the boat was like, they don't want to get off until they know they don't want to bring nothing home to their families, which I thought was very commendable. A person like me would be like... <laughs> Let me go. Let me be free. As if I was an Amistad. Why are people dying, though? I mean, I guess people die from the flu all the time, but like... I think those are the ones that have like a compromised immune system already. Anyway. Yeah. I think that they're already, you know, they're older. You know what I'm saying? I think those are the ones that are like dying. They already have health issues. And I think it's like the flu. And so, but they do say that the rate of death is a little higher than the flu. But have y'all seen y'all president talking about it, though? Girl, I no, my president is Barack Obama. So my president said <laughs> that we need to follow what the CDC and science say and to wash our hands. We got to wait to April. Your president, Donald Trump, John, yeah. said that when the sun come out, it's going to be better. People can get out of the house. That's what he said. This That's not month. my president. Not what? never going to be that my fool, president. That fool said April. <laughs> it's like, I just, I feel like it's going to be over. How y'all feel? What, sir? Right. But you know what's crazy is that one of my coworkers is like, she's very OCD, right? So every day, which is a good thing now, like she wipes down her phone. She wipes down her computer with Corat wipes and Lysol. And she was telling me- Why when she do a double? Wait a minute. She do a Clorox wipes and Lysol? Is if it's yes, going to be a difference? Okay, keep going. But she does it every day. Like, she's just OCD Oh, like she got that. OCD. Okay, we can yes. go get that. Check that. Go ahead. I can't with Tell you. her we can put so, on the SSRI. Go. Stop. So in any event, she was saying how she was looking on the back of, like, one of the packaging packages of the Lysol wipes. And it said for coronavirus. Yes. Yeah, like yeah. it was listed on the back. I saw So that. like this is not new, right? No. Like this is didn't like this is, this is something people have been working on. Yeah, like people have been working on this stuff in the lab and like now it's out. Yeah. Is there a cure for it? Is there a cure, Doc? No, that's not. Not yet. So that's what they're working on. They just poured a whole bunch of money, which I know, Kanisha, you're very familiar with um from a political standpoint. They just poured a whole lot of money into trying to figure out and, and the thing about a vaccine it takes a while for it to come up with so yeah. i know i was talking to other doc and she was saying it'll probably be later on this year or even next year which sounds about right it takes some mm-hmm. time so you know we'll see what happens but the administration gave more than what they had originally asked for so we'll see what happens i mean money talks bullcrap walks so we'll see what happens true story so if y'all were paying attention to public enemy and flavor flavor this hurt my heart like at first it was funny, but then I was like, oh no, this is like for real. Like they're really beefing. Like this is really serious. So like Public Enemy fired Flavor Flav because he had an issue with them headlining a rally for Bernie Sanders. But they was using his namesake. Like they used his picture, which True. I don't agree with. Like you shouldn't do that. But he's part of the group. But he didn't agree to that. Well, that's That's true. like me going somewhere and saying Femme Noir Files and you and Suge didn't sign off on that. That is true, because you know we have some problems. We know you would. <laughs> Don't be like that. <laughs> Kanisha, she yeah. is so really? is that we doing? about is stuff. That we doing? So we have to check in with her and just make sure no, everything's not check alive. in with her. Oh, no, we I have to check in. To, we have to I check just in. want us all to be on one accord. Oh, yes. Don't, we have don't to, act up because we got a guest. Don't do it. This is, oh, this is why she wouldn't do you like that. This is our friend. <laughs> See, Kanisha? <laughs> I just want us 
want to make sure we all are on the same page. But like I, I agree with everybody. It's really not a public enemy without Flavor Flay. The other thing I have right. a question is, they are such a conscious group that he's been cooning to me for yeah. years. Way worse. Why? Right? Years. So you mad about a, a flyer? This man yeah. been cooning. Y'all should have fired cooning. him. Y'all should have fired him when he was on VH1 with Flavor of Love. And that part. He started yeah. it off with that. Even they, though I watched it, but I was also 20-something at the time. We was Don't young. We ain't know no business. We All know. right. I, was um, like I will watch it today. I am not ashamed. <laughs> 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 Look, degrees and all, PhDs right. and all. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, we all got a little ratchet side, okay? But to be fair, Chuck D said it was not because of the Bernie Sanders rally. Like, it, okay. but I don't believe it. I don't Me believe either. it. And my thing is, you going that hard for Bernie? Like, you gonna end a, a group relationship right. for Bernie? Yeah. Like, he's been your dude for like 30, 40 years. He been cooning. This is all. I, am I the only one that has felt this way? I'm nope. so sorry if I'm saying this about him. But nope, Flavor right. Flav has been cooning. Yo, they talking about Flavor Flav has been on suspension since 2016. How you on suspension from a group? Like, what? And you a grown man. Suspension? <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> I, want, I want either Sugar or L to put me on suspension to see what happened. <laughs> And you post, do you still come to work on suspension? Right. Am you I still getting paid? Checks? Yes. Right. Am I, is my money coming? That's what I Your need Your money to still going to get dropped? Your money mm-hmm. still going to come? What, I can't perform with y'all? Cool. That money right. gonna, Just run me my money. That, that money still going to come, so whatever. Exactly. So another person who's been getting their money is the entrepreneur and the woman who founded the Honey Pot. Oh, yeah. Because... Yes. These women child and came and tried just, to mess wait, her let's up. Let's just give her a round she, of applause. Yes, her Jason response has, to this situation yes. is like none other. We ain't doing no apology tours, i.e., Snoop Dogg. We ain't doing none of that. No, because she Go. ain't wrong. B. Dixon has turned this completely around, and from all these unwarranted negative reviews, her sales have doubled. Her products have sold out. I'm a fan. I'm totally. I love it. I had to watch the commercial like twice because I, I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Do y'all know what the problem no, is? I don't. No, there is no problem. I think because she said I want people to see me and just be inspired, like brown and black girls to be inspired. How is that considered racist? There's no racism in that. Her, pro- her products are not just for black people. They're for women. Exactly. Women. Yeah. Yeah. It says it's made by humans with vaginas for humans with vaginas. That's, That's it. it. That's it. Yeah. She never said it was for a particular group. Never said that. At all. The devil is a lotto. Did, right. Didn't God show up? He did. He showed up and showed all the way out. But did so y'all I'm happy see, for B. Dixon. Did y'all see her interview on Breakfast Club? I missed that. No, I didn't see that. Y'all got to watch it. You watch the she, Breakfast Club religiously. Don't do that. Can I Listen, share that? Can I say that? They do be having legit guests, though. Listen, they do. Listen, they do. When I tell y'all, first of all, she was cursing. I was kind of like, oh, she's a real one. Like, she didn't care that she... Hey, <laughs> she girl. She's like a CEO <laughs> of an entire million-dollar company. <laughs> you know. Like, I'm she, still being... But she was so real. And she was like, I'm not upset by it. She's like, this is what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it was almost like, take the experience. Like, anything like happens in life is going to happen however it happens and it's going to play out there's no need for me to get upset i know in my heart that i'm not racist i know that that was not the intention i just and she's just started breaking down the business side of how much you know black people are already in business in this type of market of entrepreneurship and it was just an amazing thing to hear of how little that we have so her saying that and i also appreciate target Cause man, mm-hmm. listen here, they even wrote a statement. You know, people, you need to take that off your shelves. I went and Target today, y'all, cause I wanted to prepare for the show. I know <laughs> you got some. I couldn't even get nothing. It was nothing oh, there. Sold out. Sold out. That's wonderful. It is. Yeah. That's what. And you know what I told. So listen, the girl at the front desk. You know, <laughs> messing with black people sometimes. So the girl in the aisle, I'm asking her. She's like, it's gonna probably be on such and such aisle. Oh, okay. Not walk me to it, but cool. I go to the customer service desk because I could not find it. And I had been standing there like for a minute. So I go to the customer service desk and I'm like, hey, 
do you have the Honey Pot products? Like, I went online and it says you guys are supposed to have it here, but I just don't even see a tag for it. So she's like, oh, well, let me just look. You know, it should be on aisle. I said, no, it's the aisle I was on. It wasn't there. She said, okay. She said, what you looking for? I said, I don't know what I'm looking for. I just wanted to buy something. I'm just here to support. <laughs> right. And she started smiling. And so she looks up and she's like, it says we have two of this and one of that. I said, well, that ain't probably me. Y'all ain't got it. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, but you know what? That's a good problem to have, right? She said, yeah. She said, and I like the products. I said, oh, oh. you've tried them. She said, yes, I like them. I said, well, good. And I said, I'm just happy they sold out. I'm okay with it. She said, maybe you can go online. I said, nope, online is saying sold out. I said, so I'm okay with this. My job is done. I'll wait around until they restock. And guess Mm -hmm. what? Because we know black people have buying power anyway. So if you're trying to block something, you're blocking it from the wrong group. Right. True story. We got us. Don't we? Ooh, child. And people had discovered. Yeah, this people. Did y'all know about Honey Pot before this? No. I think I had heard about it like once in South Florida. Oh. But like I, it was on some if you know you know type stuff. It wasn't like the it wasn't as far along as this. It was years ago. I had never heard oh, of this. Oh, I hadn't either. It wasn't like shea butter, but it is now. Right. Yeah, true. It is like mm-hmm. shea butter. Mm-hmm. That's a good, yeah, that's a good, maybe somebody gonna come out with a song. Cause don't that girl got that, what's her name? Ari Lennox got that song, Shea, shea butter. butter. Right? I think so. Honey pot, honey. <laughs> oh, you gonna be a songwriter too now, Kanisha? Who you is? I, I write songs. You know this. <laughs> you do. You you have firsthand knowledge of me putting some rhymes down for some public events called the oh, Pro Show. Yes, <laughs> you I were know. the writer. I forgot about that this. Is right. Wait, y'all forgot. can't see me doing my rapping dance. Was yes. it? Wait, was it you and Liquid Courage? <laughs> was it you and Liquid Courage that wrote, or was just Liquid Courage just said it? Like, was she like just the voice? I feel like I just, I wrote like. Who um, is Liquid Courage? Who owns Liquid Courage? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She yeah, was the yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. She was a voice. Shout out to you, Rochelle. She was a voice. So y'all go yes. check out Liquid Courage Cosmetics. Listen, we got a lot of line sisters that just do we some do. awesome stuff. Shea Latte Coffee. Shea Latte. Like, they just own business. Kimberly Brown. Here. Y'all done, y'all done, met, y'all done met her a couple of times. So, yeah. We just got a fly line. I don't know what to tell you. But that anyway. Part. It's big facts. So, so you was a writer, but she was the voice. Okay, that's what I was like. I thought y'all wanted to be co wrote, right? I was like, I thought y'all sat down, but no, you might have been the one writing, and she was. I think she was the voice. She was the voice. Come on, South Florida connection. All that South Florida. Hey, Icy. Okay, sorry. Okay. So, what I have been waiting for this whole conversation, (laughs) and honestly, I've been like salivating all week. Sending text messages. I can't uh wait till we get to talk about this. I know I'm so corny. But election 2020, because we said, right, that we were going to have multiple shows to talk about the election, get people prepared. Yeah, this is a kickoff. Yes, this is a kickoff. And I think that. The major event, and Kanisha, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the major event that took place to kick off everything that has happened within the past five days was Joe Biden winning the South Carolina Democratic primary. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, before the South Carolina Democratic primary, it seemed like the race was wide open. Mm-hmm. It seemed like Bernie Sanders might actually get the nomination. And him winning and then the subsequent not just uh, decisions to end presidential campaigns, but also decisions to endorse made tremendous differences in the political scene. I want to give a shout out to, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give a shout out to Jim Clyburn. Yes. Who is the person who kind of gets this ball rolling. And when many of the people go to vote in South Carolina and the journalists ask them how they decided what they were going to do, they, they many of them speak his name. And so Joe Biden owes him all the things And it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Right. And I was watching this election extra closely because I am from South Carolina, right? So was it like, was South Carolina supposed to be this big of a decision maker or did it just happen that way? I know we didn't, you know, prepare that question, but I guess I'm just wondering, was South Carolina really that important leading up to Super Tuesday? I'm going to say no. Uh, I think that if you like heard me doing commentary. I haven't gone back to see what I said, but I, I, I would I don't think that I predicted South Carolina would be this important. 
I think that, in fact, I probably believe that Joe Biden betting on South Carolina so much would probably be like detrimental to his campaign, not because mm-hmm. he couldn't win, but because it, the things that he assumed might follow from it, I don't think um, necessarily had to follow from it. Like, it's nice that Pete dropped out and Amy dropped out and that mm-hmm. they divorced, and it's wonderful that everybody's kind of coalescing around him. But I think that if you had talked to us about this two weeks ago, it wouldn't be just, that. Yeah, we wouldn't think, have had a way to know this. Do you think that this happened because of what happened in Iowa? Like, because Iowa kind of fell flat and they messed up so badly? Do you think, like, that's why some emphasis got placed on to South Carolina? Or I think I think a few things are happening. One, we had a really big and a really diverse field of Democratic candidates. And so I think somewhere in somebody's heart, they were like, oh, we might get a woman or, oh, we might get a not white person. Uh, So people might have been paying attention for that. Iowa happens, and whether you're paying attention to Iowa or not or planning to participate in Iowa or not, you find out, like, the next day that it is terrible. And so you might be paying a little bit more attention. And then there have been these conversations about whether it makes sense to have Iowa and New Hampshire as the first states because they are so overwhelmingly white. They are. And the American electorate, the Democratic electorate in particular, is not so overwhelmingly white. And so I think people have probably been paying attention a little bit more than they normally do. People also don't love Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think for sure, Iowa, because there was this blunder with the elections and because it's just not representative of the population in general, plays a part in what we see now. Like, I think the whole thing builds on itself. Mm. And what about California? Has California lost its steam? Because it's almost like they, you know, the the votes hadn't even come in for California and it was like they had already moved on. Yeah, I think that's a good question. You sound like Hogan who asked a similar question. Oh, look at that. Um, (laughs) Look at you being educated. I'm a parent. So uh, he was wondering whether it's the case that people in California, like, choose not to participate because it seems like the race is already won by the time it it gets to this coast. And I think that it depends on the voter, obviously, but also I think folks knew that the delegates were the important thing here and that California had many delegates. Mm -hmm. And so I think they probably turned out to vote anyway because they understood the importance of that delegate count. Now, something that we haven't been talking about or I haven't seen folks talking about yet is that the election is a two-part thing. Mm-hmm. And so winning the primary in California is wonderful. It's great. You get all these delegates, but there is no question that California is going to go for the Democratic nominee in November. And so then if you want to kind of be a savvy consumer of political information, you have to ask yourself not just, OK, what does it mean for Bernie Sanders to have won California and Joe Biden to have won Alabama? But then you have to step back and ask, OK, well, what can Democrats win in the Electoral College? And I think for that reason, California is probably a little less competitive, something that we're going to think about a little bit less than probably the southern states, which seems like they might be primed for turning blue. Hmm. Right. Because my dad is, a, you know, was a so- retired social studies teacher. and He's always teaching me about red states, blue states and purple states. Right. Yeah. Like how I think in 2008, if I'm not correct, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, like North Carolina kind of went from a red state to a purple state, right? Because I right. think that's the first time we saw it go blue. Right. Um, Virginia too. Yes. And Virginia as well. So I think that's important to know and to think about as we move into closer to the general election in November. No, I, I, I think that's right. Okay. okay, thank you. So I have a question uh, for you, Kanisha. I am amazed the blatant attention that media has been putting on to Biden for Biden pushing behind Biden over Bernie Sanders. Can we can we have a conversation about this? Because it is like overwhelmingly like this man will, you know, do well in the state for a primary like Bernie Sanders and then. They'll combine like three of the candidates and say, well, these three together beat Bernie, but not beating Bernie by himself. Like, am I the only one just like, are you you guys are blatant with it. Y'all are showing that we do not want you to win. Like, they don't want this man to win at all. 
Yeah, I think a couple things are happening here. Uh, one of them, I, I, I wasn't sure how it was going to play out. But the first thing is that I think it's hard for people to digest Bernie. Okay. I don't think people know what to do with that. You out here mm-hmm. talking about like having it be the case that we share our wealth across all people and Medicare for all. Like, what is that? And I think people just kind of don't know what to do it, with it. And I think that they don't, they can't imagine it. Mm. And so because they can't imagine it, they want to talk about things they can't imagine. I think that's one thing. Hmm. The other thing was that many of the political pundits were saying Bernie is not actually strong. Mm-hmm. Bernie seems strong. And the reason that he seems strong is that the moderate vote is distributed across multiple candidates. If the moderate vote was consolidated behind one candidate, they argued, then Bernie Sanders would be less formidable. And so that's what makes this Joe Biden thing super interesting. Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg are both running and are running to be the moderate candidate. Joe, uh, Michael Bloomberg supposed to be a moderate. They all leave the race. And now it seems like Joe Biden is a strong candidate because it seems like the people who left those three camps, at least, are going for Biden. We don't know what warm people will do yet. And so I think a part, the other part of the reason they were talking about it like that is because they assumed, and it seems like rightly, that the people who supported moderate candidates will all eventually line up behind one of them. Yeah. And it turns out that Joe Biden is that one. Which we kind of knew was going to happen, right? Right. Well, I can't say I knew that. Oh. I don't know. I yeah. don't think I knew that either. I mm. mean, even though Kanisha is definitely more of an expert than me. No, I, I, I ain't know. <laughs> But because honestly, I feel like people have been counting Joe out since 2016. Yeah. Right? I, well, Joe counted himself out in 2016. Well, yes, yes, I yes, agree yes, with that because I think yes, he, he had is. a chance. If he would have gone that right after Obama, chance. I don't yeah. think we would be even doing all of this, to be honest. I mean, I don't know, Kanisha, how you feel about it. You're talking to two people who are not political experts. But the common person, I'm saying, I think he would have had an easier shot. <laughs> I think he let he this time have. go by. I feel the same way. Okay. I feel the same way. I think you're right. I think that it would have been like a little bit messy and nasty anyway, because Hillary Clinton had some notion that she was supposed to be the president mm-hmm. and he was like the vice president. It. And mm-hmm. so it, it seemed like he probably supposed to be the president. And so that surely would have been a nasty primary, no doubt. But I also think that it would have been much easier for him to win. And I think that he probably could have beat Donald Trump in 2016, period. I agree. 2020? Mm. I I don't feel as strongly about it today as I felt about it in 2015 or 16. Mm -hmm. So how important are Black voters in not only the primary election, but in the general election come November? Extremely is the short answer. Mm -hmm. Um, The longer answer is that political parties and political leaders make these calculations about voters and they all have in their head this thing we call a win number. And so the win number is the number of votes you think you need to get to win the election. And so let's say we live in a city or in this state, in this uh, example, a country, and the country has 100 people in it. If the country has 100 people in it, the number of people out of 100 who are going to turn out to vote on a good day, like it's crazy, we very excited about it, it's like 45, hmm. which is very low. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so if 45 people are going to turn out, you just need to get the majority plus one. What's that? 24. So I ain't even can- going to try to calculate it. Go. <laughs> so the candidates have this win number in their head, and they're literally just trying to get to that number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was a long way to say Black people are important because... When the Democratic Party makes its notes about how they're going to get to that 24 votes, they are banking on the fact that 10 of those people are going to be Black people. Mm. Mm. And so if for some reason less than 10 Black people show up, the Democratic Party end up in a world of trouble, i.e. Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Mm. And you know what? Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, FAMURX05 posted on Instagram a chart that showed what happened in 2016 of how much Trump won by in certain states and how Mm -hmm. many black people did not come out and vote. And in every one of those cases, the number was like two two times or three times the number of black people. Like we had enough people that could have swung that Mm -hmm. state and got the delegate vote. 
That was yeah. amazing to me. This was the problem in 2016, too. When they did the numbers, if they assumed that 10, they needed 10 black people, yeah. um, they made these assumptions off the number of black people who showed up for Barack Obama. Mm. Yeah, and it's not Barack Obama. And it's Obama. like, uh, sis, yeah. you not black. No, nope. mm-hmm. not a black man. We, mm-hmm. you're not married to Michelle. Like we not, we not saying we don't do you. We just not about to be, you know, carting our 100 year old grandmother out to the polls for <laughs> to you. vote for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you might should have did your math differently and assumed different things about black voters. And so I, I don't want it to be said that black voters don't turn out or that we don't turn out in large numbers because in in many places. We turn out more than anybody else. Black women especially turning out the most. Right. But the absolute numbers matter sometimes too. So what what do you think about the fact that this particular Super Tuesday, there was an increase in overall participation outside of the young vote? You know, I saw the stats where that, that I think the voters between the ages of 17 and 29 were lower than in 2016, where that's kind of where Bernie really shined at. What does that say to you? Is he not speaking to them like he used to? Or what What do you think happened with that one? I think that uh, young people, like, historically don't turn out. Like, they get mm-hmm. excited, but they don't turn out in large numbers. And that's not these young people. That's young people in history. Mm. And so I, I like to try to like be careful and gracious to young people because yeah. when I was a young person, I happen to be voting because SGA stuff, but the average young person is not turning out. But the average young person is hype on the internet and hype yeah. at the rally. And so it gets kind of confusing. It looks like lots of young people about to turn out, but they don't necessarily turn out. I think in terms of why people in general are excited about this election Donald Trump is on display every day. You know what I'm saying? Saying that the coronavirus is going to end once we can all go outside and on each other more. Which is crazy. <laughs> um, and so I think people just kind of tired of the crazy. Yeah. Right. And so they understand like, all right, well, I, whether or not my vote matters, let me at least just try. Because what could be worse than this? Yeah. True. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a lot of the reason to even go out and vote and while we want a president definitely that's speaking our interests, I think a lot of that is stemmed behind fear of letting this fool continue for four more years. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's right. I don't know if that's that's horrible or not. So another question I had, because I mean, look, at this point, we know it's Bernie versus Biden. Like we know right. that at this point. And in reading your book, The Great Migration in the Democratic Party, it is available, listeners, on Amazon.com. Go check it out. And wherever books out. are sold. Oh, and wherever books are sold. I personally bought it off of Amazon because I'm not in the D.C. area where you just recently had a book signing. I got to yes, see the pictures. I, I was, was like, there. oh, my God. Yes. Well, we felt like we were there because we had all the pictures and all the, you know, the highlights from our people. But, um, yeah, so, you know, again, wherever books are sold. So I'm sure, like, Barnes & Noble and all of that has yes. it. Yes, So, y'all, I, I'm an Amazon user. They ain't paying me. Sorry. But, yeah, that's where I got mine. So in one of your pieces on here, I thought it was really interesting. Parties formulate policies in order to win elections rather than win elections in order to formulate policies. Yeah. So, you know, I was kind of thinking about that because we always talk about how, you know, candidates pander to the voters. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is something historical that has always been done. Yeah. How do we take that? Like, how do how are we supposed to digest that? Like, is it okay? Like, are we okay with this? I don't, I don't know. Because yeah. at the end, we want it to benefit us, right? That's I'm my so thought I'm so glad process. you asked that. Okay. Um... Parties take positions in order to win elections. That's my belief. Some other people in political science might argue with me about it, but that's what I think. Yeah. And so I think that it's the case for not just black voters, right? Like parties mm-hmm. are making calculations about who can turn out for them, who they agree with, who they disagree with, and then they take positions accordingly. If you're Donald Trump, the likelihood that in your adult life you have come into contact with an abortion is probably high, right? Mm. Like. I don't know that man's life, but I'm guessing that he he knows somebody who wanted an abortion and has probably supported that decision at some point. I don't mm-hmm. know for sure. Let me put that disclaimer out there. But if you are Donald Trump and you got well, three wives, well, wait, he grabbing people I'm in the, the, in the mamas. Yeah, he he grabbing people in the private yeah. area. It, it's a situation now. Go right because yeah. he probably done some more. <laughs> but this same person gives a speech at the Right for Life March in Washington, D.C., which is like the largest gathering of people who are pro-life. Like, why would Donald Trump do that? 
he's doing that because he has a notion that it's very important to get these people to support the Republican Party if the Republican Party wants to continue to win elections. Mm -hmm. And so I think number one is that I wish black people would stop being mad when politicians pander. When Elizabeth Warren said, I'm trying to make it the case that black women stop dying during childbirth. I wasn't mm-hmm. like, why is she talking crazy? Like she knows when it, like, no, nah, dog. Yes. I'm not trying to die when I have mm-hmm. a baby. I would exactly. like to live, please. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's important for people to organize, to make their positions known, to make their uh, wishes known so that they can get candidates to take on those positions. And then they can vote those people in to do that work. Mm-hmm. And that brings up a really good point about voting people in So I think it's a really important part for us to have representation. I know we always talk about that. And that was another piece I saw in your book that you kind of talked about even with the history of the Republicans and the Democrats and with Democrats change on racial issues, you know, being largely a function of the congressional membership replacement. So we, we started getting more black people, I guess, in these offices once this migration happened from the South to the North. How important do you see, or do you see this shift? Because I only see that or talk. What's that lady name that be on TV all the time? Or talk or tell. What's her name? The Spanish Alexandria lady. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Thank you. I was gonna mess that up. You know, <laughs> AOC. AOC for sure. That, yes. That's a good one. You know, I I kind of see her. You know, our <laughs> lovely congressional woman out in California, Maxine Waters. Like, are you seeing a shift with more, you know, people of color being elected to these positions and not just elected, but doing something? Um, So in the book, I talk about like, yes, it is true that the Congress is changing yeah. and the Congress changing leads to like change in the nation. But the the like kind of big idea is that the population changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when the population in that place that changes, shift. yeah, it forces these politicians to do different things. Yeah. Cause then the and delegates so, get reassigned, right? According to the population. Is yes, that how that 10 years in the census, this yeah. is, this is, if yes. you should see some stuff by now to tell you to fill out your census. Yes. We're starting time. to see it. I'm starting to yes. see that now with people starting mm-hmm. to talk about the census. Yeah. And so do it if, unless you like worried about your legal status. Um, but they said still do it. Do you believe that? I think that if it's possible to, to talk to the census in some way that's not going to implicate you or cause a problem for your legal status, you you absolutely should. Because they draw congressional lines to represent the number of people in a community, mm-hmm. not to, to represent anything else. And so they know how many people are in a community based on the census. I said all that to say, I do think that politics is getting more diverse over time. Unfortunately, that doesn't like play out in the highest levels in terms of the United States presidency. Uh, But surely, I think it's better to have folks of diverse backgrounds elected to office than not, Mm. regardless of kind of their position. So I think like a Tim Scott is a Republican senator. I, I think it would be amazing to have a Democratic senator who is a black man from South Carolina. But I would rather have Tim Scott than a somebody else you know like i think that then a trump jr then a trump jr in the Mm -hmm. same spot like i think that if i'm making bets about who's going to have my best interest at heart i know at least that he has experienced some of the things i've experienced and they might shape the way that he engages the world differently than some other folks who did not have those kinds of experiences yeah so i think one thing that we need to think about especially with the age of the current person occupying Pennsylvania Avenue. I think you're being an ageist. I already know maybe, where this is going. Right. Maybe. I, think, I think she probably is. Maybe. <laughs> and maybe this is not the road that I should have taken to get to where I'm going, but I'm going to take it. And with the age of the two front runners for the nomination, I think the pick for VP is super important, right? And I know that some names that have been coming up include Andrew Gillum, really? our fellow Rattler. Oh. It's a, his name has been thrown around for, for some things. Stacey Abrams' name has come up. Kamala Harris's name has come up. So how, even though, and it may be premature, but how are we to think, and how should these candidates think less of, you know, of course, less Donald Trump because he already has his, ticket oh i heard he might be kicking i heard he might be kicking that one out that's what the word on the street is 
Oh, okay. That's well, the that's news to me. Go. So, well, then maybe we need to include him in the conversation. So how how important is the VP pick for whoever okay, so I wanna, the nominee becomes? I want to go back and reframe the thing a little bit and, and suggest maybe that we talk about it in terms other than age. Okay. Uh, because if you, I'm going to assume you do, but if you want a Stacey Abrams, a Andrew Gillum, a Kamala Harris to be vice president, mm-hmm. just the way America is set up, you're not going to want to frame that in terms of the death of a white man. Well, that's true. You're right. Because I, I can't imagine a scenario. If anything, I think like that they are that old and somebody has a notion of them being old and potentially dying like in their head, probably be detrimental to these people yeah i can't imagine anybody being okay waking up with stacey abrams as the president i'd personally be you know okay if she was president i don't know if other people would share that opinion so that's one the vice president is supposed to help the president win the election Mm -hmm. and so if joe biden knows that we are not hype about him then he's supposed to go and choose a person about whom we can be hype and so obviously I'm an Andrew Gillum stan like mm-hmm. you know what let me take a leave because I'm on the way to Florida or wherever <laughs> to help my dog that's the kind of energy that a presidential candidate is looking for when they choose a vice president mm-hmm. and so I think that the likelihood that we would get a black VP nomination is higher than ever really yeah I think I so I think he should go with Bernie Sanders no no, I don't do that. no, no that's girl not the only reason best. I say is because if you have America pretty much split between Bernie and Biden, it seems to me that you would go with Bernie because no. then you get everybody. No, no? He, that's not how no, this works. He would, pick, he would need to pick Elizabeth Warren way mm. before he picked Bernie Sanders. And that, so, that could work because Elizabeth Warren to me is like a Bernie. I'm just going to say that. She's not that radical. Okay. She got she a policy with everybody else. else. Okay, so this is the thing, right? I hesitate to predict American politics because we be wrong. Donald mm. Trump is the whole president. And so Girl. let me just put that just Don't yes. remind me. And them people um, was up there doing all them um, estimates. Oh, he's going to win. Like Hillary's going to win. And Anyway. Right. Yeah. Look at where we are. Okay. So now that I got this disclaimer out there that I'm probably going to be wrong. People <laughs> don't generally choose their top opponent to be their VP. They, mm-hmm. it, it just kind of doesn't happen. Right. If it is going to happen, it's going to look like Obama choosing Hillary to be Secretary of State or some other. Thank like you. you can hang out, but you can't be. You like, can't be in my two. clique. Yeah, they don't usually do that. Right. I think the other thing is that it's unclear whether Bernie would do it. I don't think Bernie he has yeah no. a radical vision for the United States, and Joe Biden does not have a radical vision. He has a very moderate vision for it, mm-hmm. and so I don't know if Bernie would accept if he was offered the job. But I think that it's probably possible for Biden to get kind of some of that energy without Bernie. For mm-hmm. sure, some of the Bernie people are going to be disaffected. They're not going to turn out. But if, if it is the case that a Democrat is looking for a progressive because they stressed out that Joe Biden is so moderate, then I think that the correct answer would be in Elizabeth Warren, if you want to be super safe, um, or Gillum or Abrams as people who kind of represent this conversation about moving the party a little bit further to the left. Hmm. And what about this Kamala Harris? I'm not with, I'm not with it personally. At all. Mm-mm. I'm straight I on that. Haven't like taken a public position on candidates anywhere. Oh, breaking news then. <laughs> but even before I decided that I was not going to like be talking about like, who I like in public, I knew that I would not be saying anything against Kamala Harris like it was no way I was going to endorse anybody while she was in the race I just don't Mm -hmm. oh and I and I think high key you feel the same way KB I feel like that is your spirit like that is a black woman run she cooked collard greens and like but she laying with somebody else I don't know yeah here we go yeah that's her issue KG that's her issue she kind of she kind of lost me I'm going to be real, real with you. But I, I'm just saying, not like you like her, but what's the, the viability of her actually winning? That's kind of like not let you like her or you don't like her, but what do you think her chances are of getting a position like a VP? I'll say if I was Joe Biden, and this is just being strategic and not making any claims about her, how I feel about her. If I yeah. was Biden, I would not choose her. Okay. Um, black people show their ass. 
and decided that they did not like her. Um, and so if I am Joe Biden, I got to ask myself, well, who is going to excite people? Yeah. And there is like a larger number of people excited about Kamala now that she's not running. And I think Which was interesting to me. Crazy, right? Like all these people came out the Woodworks. Woodworks. Where were you when she was running? Exactly. Where was Fair the Weather energy? fans? Right. But then yeah, but maybe it's because they liked her more in a VP standing. Like some people, you don't want them to lead at the top. You want them to be on the team, but you're not necessarily wanting them to lead at the top. And I can understand that. I've no, never thought I think that Kamala Harris caught a raw deal. I think that they people were talking about her time as the attorney general. Yes. And talking about like busing and all of this other kind of stuff came up. And, and I her think being she married just, to a white man. Yeah. I mean, we talked in private about that, I think, more than we talked um, to the press about it. But okay. yes. Well, you're right. But we were definitely having those conversations. Well, we was definitely having those conversations. Right. And I think, and people had a real issue with that. Yeah. Okay. We could do a thing about black family, right? Mm-hmm. But what is marriage to a black man in politics other than a signal that you are black like I'm black. Mm-hmm. Is that think for though? her, yeah, but I think for her that's it was big like, to me. Yeah. Because now so you might be was, concerned about that black man that's getting killed by the police or the black boy who's not getting the education that they want or that they deserve. Like, you might be a little bit more concerned because you're going to line up and not look at stuff the same way because you in la-la land talking to, talking to Paul. No. So for real, for real, Kamala is a Howard, a.k.a. I was so surprised. She (laughs) is married to Paul currently. She's also, what, 54 years old? So we don't know Dante and John (laughs) Travius and everybody else. Who she dated before Paul. She just happened to be with Paul right now. And her and Paul ain't even been married that long, high key. That part. Can I also add, and this is going to sound real random, but follow me. So, of course, we all know that people are losing their minds over Love is Blind, right? Yeah. And, I ain't never even seen that. I don't know what you're talking Cam- about. Go. Is it Cameron and Lauren? Is what that the interracial about? couple? What is yeah. this? you know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Cameron is white and Lauren is black. And Lauren is the biggest black family. I love black people. Black, black. Advocate. Right. She's black, 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 black. Uh-huh. And, is, and fell in love with this white man. And they are, and honestly, they are, from this experiment, they are the poster children for this show. Yeah. People love them as a couple. They think that they're great. They think that they're wonderful. But Lauren is blackity, black, black, black. And so is her daddy. However, if she even said in a conversation with one of her friends that she was concerned how people would look at her with being with Cameron... And she's this blackity black 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 advocate. You well, know what I mean? I give black so women I a pass. I feel like it's still possible. Yeah, I give. I well, I give black you women don't a give, pass. You didn't give Kamala a pass because she's on a she's on a political stand for got try to say stuff about us and me, because of her past history of all the people she put in jail. That's my take on her. But, but black but women in general, job. I know. But <laughs> That's like saying. <laughs> I'm mad at KB for all the people she she's dealing drugs out here. Like, <laughs> so yeah, some of the stuff. I'm sorry, we ain't know yet that the drug did that. But as soon as we found out, we we took that shit off the show. My bad. <laughs> like it's the same. She was at work, bro. Okay, you, you might have you, a KG. point. You might have a point. <laughs> yeah, and I and I don't I don't want to like dwell too much on this because I think it's a little Premature. messy, and I don't want oh. people to ever be digging in my mess. But if you Google Kamala Harris and pass relationships you will find that she spent some time with some black men and that it did not go well with these black men mm-hmm. and i mean if you 50 out here and you found you know mayo bay do it not mayo well, it's real I mayo i don't even like mayo like that but um <laughs> let me ask you this about policies in particular when you look at biden and bernie I'm seeing some distinctions, but how do you think that's going to play out with the rest of these states? Like, I don't think that Bernie is going to quit. No. No, he's not. I know they're going to just highlight what they're bringing to the table. And I think one of the biggest conversations in Suge, I and uh, Elle were kind of having this conversation yesterday about the black agenda. <laughs> We've been talking there about this. There is no black agenda. I know. So Elle's like, there's no black agenda, which I'm I'm leaning towards you now, Elle, because my thing is when I looked at both of these candidates, I went to the websites and said, what are, what is your plan? Now within those plans, is there anything I care about? To me, that's the black agenda. That's my agenda. That's mm-hmm. my black agenda. And so I don't black. know. And I'm black. 
it, but I'm, <laughs> but can you can you really say that there's a black agenda and we need to, you know Charlamagne the God has been like hollering this like you know mm. Biden stop talking about Charlamagne I like Charlamagne Whatever. you know Biden doesn't have neither one of these candidates Bernie or Biden don't have a black agenda. What are they going to do for black people? But if you look at their plans, there are things that affect black people directly. They have an HBCU initiative from, um, I think it's Bernie wants to give money to HBCUs. Like there's agendas that do affect black people. So what is the deal with the whole black agenda? And what, you know, should we be looking at it like that? Or we look at what they're bringing to the table. And if there's not something there that we care about, then that's what we highlight and say, you need to do something about this. So you have actually asked a question that's a little bit complicated for me as a um, political commentator. Mm -hmm. So the technically correct answer is that, yes, there is a black agenda. That's the technically correct answer. And when they say, what is the black agenda? The answer is something about uh, criminal justice, something about social equality, yada, yada. And housing, things that affect us most, right? It's the higher, the higher groups. But in real life. Right. This is what we're talking about. In real life, I'm going to say Black people are not a monolith. And so if you, in the book, I talk about how the Black elected officials all have the same goal. When you be like, what do y'all want? They like, indiscrimination. Mm. Everybody, Mm -hmm. indiscrimination, indiscrimination, indiscrimination. When you ask them what that means, they say different things. Indiscrimination in jobs, indiscrimination in housing, indiscrimination in schools. Cool. Today, Negroes are all over the place. Mm. And so when you ask somebody what's most important to you, they might not all say the same thing. Like it mm-hmm. is true that we are all catching like specific hell. We are all catching police hell, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's happened to all of us or um, every black woman I know that's my age thinking about having a baby is talking about whether she going to die in the process, right? Like that is specific to us, mm-hmm. but in many other ways, some of the stuff is not specific. Like, if we right now took a poll, Medicare for all, yes, no, the three of us on this uh, conversation might have different ideas about whether we think Medicare for all should exist. And we are all Black women. So to some extent, I would say there are some things that affect all of us, but it's also the case that we are probably more diverse as a group of people than we have ever been. Hmm. Cool. And I'm okay so with we that. have... We have one last question for you, Kanisha. So in your book and in the talk that you did at Howard, you talked how historically politicians sort of went to Black spaces to to get Black voters, such as visiting churches, which honestly they still do to this day. Yeah, they right. sure do. Um, and even taking pictures. Or doing the dances with celebrities. On, on stage. Well, well you saw up. how that failed. That was an epic failure. I feel so um, bad for him. I don't. Um, so even with one politician taking a picture with Marian Anderson and sort of distributing yeah. it. So, you know, to try to get black voters on his side, like what are some other similarities that we still see today that politicians use like 50, 60 years ago? Oh, uh, I think you kind of already answered the question. Politicians go to churches, politicians go to community meetings, politicians seek endorsements. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things that moves people, we think moves people a little bit is if your pastor told you to vote for this person or if your favorite congressman told you to, to vote for this person, all of those things existed in the past and still exist today. Policy is a big deal. And I think we don't um, talk about it enough. So again, and Elizabeth Warren saying, this is my plan for HBCU or a Pete Buttigieg saying, I have a Douglas plan. And then the Douglas plan here is all my black people stuff. Like all of that stuff is the same stuff that they have been doing for a long time. And maybe not dancing on stage to back that ass up because it wasn't out, you know, in 1965, (laughs) but other kind of like, I'm going to go eat your food. I'm going to show up and dance your dance. Like that stuff is not new. Mm -hmm. And and not specific to us. I think we kind of feel in some instances it is like, if you show up at temple talking about you want to worship with Jewish people and you're not Jewish, that's, that's pandering too. But does that happen on the same scale? And maybe it just seems large to us because we are Black and we don't fit in any of these other spaces. 
But do politicians really reach out to like white women, to mothers, to Jewish people, to Muslims, the same way that they reach out to black people, to black voters? Can I just say, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I was saying. Maybe I don't see it because I don't fit in these other spaces. They go to the nursing home with the old white ladies and be sitting up with them. Then look at these policies that they have on their website. All this stuff about immigration. Girl, y'all ain't never seen this much stuff about no damn immigration. Yeah. You're right. Or think about like rights for gay people. Oh, or, yes. Um, workers' rights, $15 an hour. Like all of that stuff is, it could potentially be what they believe about the world, but it's also about getting votes. But right. that, that, but And the suburban mom thing that you're hearing about, yeah. like all mm-hmm. of that stuff is the same pandering. Mm-hmm. I think that they probably more heavily emphasize the trivial when they talk to black people than emphasizing the trivial when they talk to other groups. But the pandering is happening for everybody. For everybody. I have one more question because you just made me think about something. And, you know, just thinking about if we really care about what they're bringing to the table, like what their policies, what they plan to do, I guess, does it really matter? And the reason I say that is because Elizabeth Warren, and as she'll like to call her Liz, <laughs> I almost died last night when that fool said that. That fool said Liz. Like, what, I said, girl? And she was talking like she knew Liz. Like she was, I said, she talking about Elizabeth Warren? Like she talking about her? Okay. So anyway, sorry guys. So anyway, as Liz, Liz had the most damn like written out plans yeah. of anybody. And that mm-hmm. got her, that did not get her the nomination. And I mean, no one has a nomination all the way, right? But that didn't get her to to be the top two. Does that matter in the end? Because to me, it's like, this lady is the only one that really had a full-out plan. Now, she looks weird to me. I don't mm. know if that scared people. What do you mean she looks weird? She's a like little her weird looks. to me. I mean, she was doing the whole, I'm a Native American. Like, it was just a little... She was know. doing too much, but that got nothing to do I mean, with her looks, but by, Yep, it do, to me. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then by the time like, he got arrested in South Africa or something recently, like, he lying. Like, I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> The point I'm trying to make is that these this lady came with real plans. And not to say no one else has any real plans, but she had a plan, like a written out plan for everything she wanted to do. Does it really matter in the end? Because clearly we didn't we didn't go for that. I'm gonna borrow some language from Miss Dixon with the honeypot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren is a human with a vagina. And mm-hmm. so I think as a human with a vagina, number one, she wouldn't have gone as far as she did without a plan for everything. And I think that we still in this country have a lot of work to do with believing that women are, you know, competent and viable candidates. I had conversations with people when I was in Florida, which kind of stressed me out very badly, where a woman was trying to convince me that Elizabeth Warren couldn't be a viable candidate because her words, you know, when you have a bad day, you be acting crazy. And, you know, like if, if women are saying these kinds of things, God only knows what they're not saying and what men are not saying. I say yeah. all this to say, I think that we have multiple issues happening right now. And in addition to the fact that kind of maybe the plans didn't move people, there's also a gender thing there that we have to think about. Yeah. And we saw that in 2016, I feel like, with, even with Hillary. Absolutely. Yeah. We really did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Dr. Grant, thank you so much for being with us here in this in our first election 2020 talk. Thank you so much for having me. This you, was a wonderful conversation. You got to Yay! sit down with plain Jane people who are not like experts and you get to talk to us. Isn't that Y'all cool? Y'all can't see my face, but this plain Jane, like what kind of... Oh, wait, she's talking about herself because I'm not no plain Jane. I was also a poli sci major. Oh, you were. I was not. I'm just... Yes. I, I was a social action chair. When I was in undergrad for yes, our sorority. So, okay, fine. We all have an interest in y'all some context. Yes, thank you. I, well, it's I one think... person on the phone that's still clean her own house and her name is Kenesha. Really? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> is that what we're doing? I mean, plain Jane. But there are also two people on this call that are called doctor. <laughs> Oh, I mean... See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying there? See what I did? But I, I also feel like there are zero people on this call who haven't been to grad school. So 
Maybe we just not, none of us are playing Jane. <laughs> All right, I shut up. Go. I'm going to stop. So another woman who is not a playing Jane is Ramona Hood. So for our dope, gifted, and Black segment, we are highlighting the newest CEO at FedEx. Miss Hood is the first Black woman to lead the company in its entire history. And she was previously the company's vice president of operations. And what's amazing to me about her story is that she started working for the company in 1991 as a receptionist. And now look wow. at her as a CEO. Wow. So That's kudos amazing. to you, Miss Hood. Isn't that awesome? It is. Wonderful. Well, yeah. Let me find a package <laughs> to ship to somebody so I can send it via FedEx. <laughs> <laughs> help her out i hope she can get amazon back on the team because i don't know about where y'all live but the postal service in dc well postal service and ups help. be delivering my amazon prime packages and yes, the, and the postal like service is garbage as should <laughs> i think the the postal service in baltimore is trash because should be having real problems i'll be having those same problems well mine is coming at different times you don't know what time they coming <laughs> mine is not good Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, DC, Amazon Prime, y'all need to maybe start working with FedEx again. So, work on that. Support yeah. a black business. Support a black business. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Honey Pot. Go get it. Yes. If you can get it in your area. Yes. So, once again, we want to thank Dr. Kenesha Grant for joining us. Please make sure that you go purchase her book, The Great Migration and the Democratic Party. You can find it where your favorite books are sold. Amazon and your brick and mortar bookstores. Dr. Grant, thank you for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, KB, it's been real. Yes, we didn't embarrass you, did you? Did we, uh, Kanisha? No, 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 I think this was good. We kept <laughs> it on the straight and narrow. Great, fantastic. Because you know, sometimes we can go a little left. A lot of times. <laughs> So thank you all for joining us. This has been another episode of the Fem Noir Files. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Play. Connect with us on social media at Fem Noir Files on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Fem Noir Files. Bye.